Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined in Twin Cities at River Center by Dimity McDowell. Hello, Dimity. Hello, hello. Glad to be back in the big MN. Love this place. Yes, <laughs> and we are here in front of a live audience. <laughs> Well done. Our well, third time yeah. doing a live studio audience in the Twin Cities. And uh, gosh, we just we just love the vibe here, the energy, the smiles. Just nothing better than a Midwestern crowd in my mind. <laughs> we just lost all our East Coast, West Coast listeners. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm out. I'm out. Or yeah. I'm moving to Minnesota. Yeah. 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 Back in your homeland, Dimity. Yes, I am. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So as Dimmy said, we're excited to be here. Haven't been here since 2019. It all feels so wonderfully familiar. You know, coming in from the airport, I'm like, yeah, I remember running along here and you've been out toward the course more than I have a little bit. And yeah, yeah. I've been out um, back in the day. We did we used to do the the JJ Hill stairs, which I guess are closed now because of they're kind of disintegrating a little bit. But then there's this hill. It's called the Ramsey Hill that it looks a lot harder I used to do hill repeats up it <laughs> every once in a while when I came into town. I'm like, how did I ever do that? That is the hill that you come down for the Twin Cities Marathon and the 10-miler. When you turn that corner on Summit and take a left, it's a lovely, beautiful downhill. You're not at the Capitol yet, but <laughs> it gives you some nice momentum going in there. Nice, nice, nice. All right. So, and we have seated in between us, for those of you who can't see, we have Katie Mark, who is a marathon runner as well. She's a mother of two school-aged sons and a licensed independent clinical social worker with a practice called On The Mark. Her name's Katie Mark. Here in the Twin Cities. And Katie pairs mental health treatment with exercise going on runs or walks with her clients. And in her personal life, Katie is set to run the Twin Cities Marathon for a third time this weekend as part of My Team Triumph. So I got to say, before we get going, Katie, I've got to give her major props. We were just standing off to the sideline a second ago. She's like, well, this is her first podcast ever. Not her first live podcast, but the first time she's ever been interviewed on a podcast. So we like to, you know, challenge you, kind of put you over your edge or touch your edge, I guess you should say, around AMR. So... So glad to have you here, Katie. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here too. Well, so you are running the Twin Cities Marathon this weekend, but let's fast forward. I mean, fast forward, rewind a little bit and let's talk about your running background. Yeah. Yeah. I have been a runner my whole life. I have loved running ever since I was a little girl playing tag with the neighborhood kids. Um, I joined my first track and field team in middle school. I ran varsity track and field in high school, but sprinting distances. So 200, four by 200. Um, when I got into college, I just ran, you know, to stay healthy and for my mental health and really started enjoying the mileage. And actually my brother ran a marathon and I went and watched him grandma's marathon. And I had heard of marathons, but I had never (laughs) actually seen one. And it was amazing and so inspiring. And I thought, I want to do that. So that the next year I ran grandma's marathon and I remember crossing the finish line and thinking, that was awesome. I never need to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, and no one knows what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so then fast forward till then I had my two boys and I just kept up with my running. And after I had my youngest, I thought, I'm going to see if I can do another marathon. I'm going to, I'm going to run Twin Cities and just experience that. And now I've been kind of hooked back into that world and it's just been wonderful. So, so what number will this weekend be? This will be number four, but okay. third Twin Cities. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. So obviously everyone's marathon or 10 mile is going to be 
special this weekend, but yours is going to be extra special with My Team Triumph. So talk to us about what that is and what it'll entail. Yeah. So early on in my social work career, I worked with developmentally disabled adults, and that is a community that is just near and dear to my heart. And so when I kind of moved on in my career and started working in different areas, I still really wanted to be a part of that community. And I found my team Triumph. And so we push disabled adults in wheelchairs and races. And it's a wonderful organization if you're looking for a place to volunteer. So I've ran the Twin Cities 10 Mile, Twin Cities 5K with my team Triumph. And the young lady that I ran the Twin Cities 10 Mile with, Haley, when we finished, her and her parents told me that she really wanted to experience the marathon. She's never done a marathon before. So tomorrow will be her first marathon. So Mm. I get to experience that with her the whole way. That's wow. wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. And you have a partner in pushing, as it were. Yes, I cannot. <laughs> I did the full 10 mile with her on my own, but I cannot do a full marathon on my own. I know that. Mm-hmm. So I have a good girlfriend, Melissa. She's a very accomplished runner, and she is going to be my partner. And we're going to switch off every other mile. Mm-hmm. Pushing, we'll run, the, obviously, the full marathon together. And mm-hmm. she's she's going to slow down her pace for me because I am not as fast as her. <laughs> we're going to go slow and steady. And then do you train with Haley? Yes. So my team Triumph has training runs throughout the year and so that you get used to the equipment and you train with, with the people you're racing with. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. How, how old is Haley? Haley is, oh gosh, her parents just told me, I think she just turned 21. Nice. So <laughs> they actually told me at the last training run, if anybody's handing out beer along the course, <laughs> she can have some. <laughs> A little bracelet on her, right. so, so she's ID'd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, what was that like pushing Haley in the ten mile? It was actually incredible because of the crowd support and actually the runners running by us. They wanted to know her name. They wanted to cheer for her. So, one of my recommendations for my team triumph for tomorrow's race is to make sure there's a sign on her wheelchair mm-hmm. with her name because the entire ten miles I was having to tell everyone her name, <laughs> and so I, I can't do that for a full marathon. And we want people cheering for her. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah, uh, that's wonderful. And does yeah. she react? I'm curious. Like, does she know that people are cheering for yes, her? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. But. It might be hard to hear some of the cheers because she's very much into Taylor Swift. So oh. we are going to be rocking to Taylor Swift the whole way. I support that 100%. Yes, <laughs> I do too. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, did you just have a Bluetooth speaker in, yep. in her? Oh, uh, yep. We're going to have a speaker. Yep. Yep. Nice. Nice. Great. Great. Well, so how has your training gone otherwise? So you've done your practice runs with Haley, but did you do a 20 miler? Like, how'd that go? Actually, so this training experience has been much different than any of my other marathons. Because this is such a special race, I really wanted to make sure I was super prepared. So for the first time, I hired a running coach. And it's been such a great experience. I feel strong. I feel healthy. But he did not have me run 20 miles, which Mm. mentally stresses me out a little bit. But (laughs) I'm going to trust the process and that we're going to have a good race tomorrow. I'm sure you are. It's great. <laughs> so what was your longest long run? Oh, you guys, I mean, I mean, mentally it is kind of scary. While I'm training, I have a Bob stroller with sandbags in it. So I wow. look kind of. Oh, that's very cool. Like that's good. That that's, that's adaptation. I like it. It is. But you know, you, when you're running and you run by people, you know, people will wave or smile and I've had people wave and smile and then look. Yes. Yes. At the, like what is this woman doing? So is and I've, sa- I've been, Does your sand baby have a name? <laughs> no, but I've been waiting for the police to stop me and say, ma'am, what's in the stroller? Yeah. That hasn't happened yet. So 
my running coach is all about 80-20. So 80% of my runs are easy, 20% are hard. And it's all about time on the feet and mileage during the week. And so my longest run has been an hour, 45 minutes with the stroller. So, yeah. We'll continue our conversation with the guest after this break. Stay with us. All right. So please tell us how you came up with the idea to go on walks or runs with your clients and how it works. I mean, every time you meet with say Jessica, you know, who's, I don't know, dealing with grief or anxiety or something, do you always go out on a three mile run with her or? Right. That's a great question. So I've been a clinical social worker for almost 15 years. And I really found that clients who I I feel like I always have an exercise goal for my clients just because it is so good for our mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really found that my clients who take their exercise goal seriously get better faster. Mm. And I was actually on a long run for Twin Cities, long training run for Twin Cities Marathon last summer. And I was thinking to myself, boy, wouldn't this be cool if I could run and walk with my clients and do that goal together? And so I started looking into it and I found that there were therapists on the East and West Coast that were doing running and walking. And there was a few therapists in the cities who do walking, but I didn't find anybody that was actually running with their clients. And so I remember coming home from a long run and I said to my husband, I said, I think I want to do this. And he completely supported me. And so a year ago, I opened up my own private practice and I run and walk with my clients out on nature trails. If there's bad weather. I offer telehealth, but I will go out in, in all weather. People always ask me, do you go out in the winter? And yes, yes, we do. Sometimes that's the most beautiful time yeah. of year to be out. And, you know, I always meet my clients where they're at. So not all of my clients run. A lot of people really just enjoy walking. If we are running, it's at conversation pace. So it's it's really quite slow. It's not my workout for the day. It's not my client's workout for the day. It's just us moving forward together. Mm-hmm. Okay, first, like, just a logistical question. Do you take people who don't want to run and walk? Is there anyone, have you come up against anyone? Or are they going to come to you because you offer that? I just answered my own question, I think. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I haven't had anybody say, I don't want to do that. I, okay. think, I think when they find me, they know that that's, what I offer and that, and that's what they're looking for. Sure. Sure. I just love this idea so much because we've talked about it quite a bit, but there's something so soothing about having somebody next to you where you don't have to look them in the eye. Like because you're moving in the same, you know, your, your feet, you might be matching stride for stride or whatever, but there's something about the energy and the forward momentum, but not having to look you straight in the eye that you're connected and you can say stuff that if I were sitting across from you in a therapy session, might be hard for me to say, especially if I feel like you're kind of staring me down and you're not a stare down or I'm not, I want to make that clear, but you know, it's not, you know, it's hard. It's hard to say something really hard when you're looking somebody in the eye. It, it really is. And that's one of the things that I have found running and walking with my clients is I feel like people open up faster, to be quite honest, just because you're not having that pressure of staring at someone. You know, sometimes people, when they're talking about something that's really hard, and they're staring at someone staring at them, it, they can almost feel feelings of shame. Yeah. And so it can be really good to just be right next to each other and not have those feelings coming up. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. I mean, it's, and I also sometimes compare it to like a road trip, 
you know, with like a good friend and you got yeah. like the music on. And again, like you're both looking at the road, you're both going forward, but all of a sudden it just is easier to say like, Hey, I'm having a rough time right now, or my marriage isn't going well or whatever it happens to be, you know? Yeah. I even feel like sometimes that's when my boys tell me the most, you know, yes. when you're driving in the car and nobody's looking at each other and you just, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just natural when you're side by side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when I had uh, the birds and bees talk with one yeah. of my kids. <laughs> I was like, I know if I try to like sit across from her, she is not going to go for this. So we were driving to Barnes and Noble to get a book for more information. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> with the doors locked so she can't jump exactly. out of a stoplight. <laughs> yes, exactly. Child lock on the door. <laughs> <laughs> so any of us in this room and listening know that, you know, forward motion has such a positive impact on the mind. And there's tons of research to support that. But I mean, what do you think are some of the top reasons why that is? Oh, goodness. Well, I mean, as we all know, anytime you're exercising, you're releasing those endorphins. And when we're running, we all love that runner's high. And so when we're out exercising and moving in nature, it can just can just be so healing. I really feel like my clients just really open up. There's also really a social aspect to being out in nature and seeing other people walking and running on the trail. You know, Mm. if I have a client who's feeling down or anxious and it's hard to leave the house, that's a really healing moment too, to be out there amongst other people and and feeling good together. Mm. So, you said that when you had this idea and you looked it up and you saw that people were doing it on the East Coast, the West Coast, and that there are a few people here in the cities walking, what would you say, how common is it, you know, to find a therapist who will do that? And that for someone who wants to walk with their therapist instead of, you know, sitting there on a chair or laying on a couch, I mean, if you have a talk therapist that you feel comfortable with, do you think you could suggest like, hey, could we just go out and walk down the block here? Oh, definitely. When you're shopping for a therapist, it's a relationship. And the only way therapy is going to work if you, is if you feel a connection and you feel like you can be honest and open. And so certainly if you have a therapist already and you're wanting to walk, I mean, definitely ask. I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Would you just look up, I mean, Google walking therapist? Like, I don't know. I don't know what would come up when you did that. So how would you find somebody? Yeah, Psychology Today is actually a really great mm-hmm. therapist directory. You can type in like where you live, zip code, and all sorts of therapists in your area will pop up and you can read about them. That's usually one of the best ways. Mm-hmm. But they, but it's, it's not like a certification or a way. You just have to read to see if they like to have movement sessions. Yeah. Okay. I mean, certainly you can Google walk and talk therapy in your area and hopefully some, some things will pop up. But psychology today is really a great resource. Okay. It nice. Is, yeah. Nice. I'm curious, uh, we have a, a mutual friend and uh, one of Sarah's co-hosts and she writes for AMR, Tish Hamilton, and she used to work at Runner's World. And they used to have not as many as you would think, but some meetings on the run and some like meetings on the walk. Again, I'm just curious, like, I mean, that's when I have a lot of my, I have most of my energy and a lot of my good ideas when I'm in motion. If somebody has that idea, you know, to maybe invite a coworker Do you have any thoughts on that or ideas how you could approach it? Yeah. I mean, again, I think just being honest and open with coworkers and saying, boy, I really want to take this meeting on the road. I think I'll have like better ideas. I mean, honestly, what you were saying, Dimity, about having like those good ideas on those long runs or walks, I feel like those are the moments when I have my aha moments. Like you have all that time to think and really process. And I think meetings while moving is just a wonderful idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing them more and more. I'm curious. Do you guys, does anyone do that? Like by a show of hands? 
Oh, we, we got, got a couple, couple <laughs> maybe less than, less than 10 for sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, going back to your training and that, that your coach worked with you with, with the sandbags and the bob stroller and that sort of thing. How do your miles that you put in with your clients figure into a training plan? Right, right. Well, when I started with my running coach, I told him what, what my job is. And I said, Hey, I'm already running. <laughs> Um, so he, he knows that when he was creating my training plan. But like I said earlier, it's not my workout for the day or my clients. It is a very slow pace, very conversation pace. But it's still time on your feet. And so I would think, I would think you're seeing several patients in a day, perhaps many patients in a day. So I mean, what's the most that you think you've ever put in, in a day for work? Oh, goodness. Um, boy, that's a really good question. <laughs> you know, I'm really good with my scheduling too. So I make sure that I know which clients I'm walking with and which ones I'm running with. So I'm never running more than, oh, two, three clients a day. Okay. So it's okay. it's not a ton. <laughs> so it's not a long run day because you no. have five back-to-back running clients. No, no, uh-huh. no, no. No, I, I'm real good with my schedule. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And then how, how often do you change your clothes then during the day? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. I actually do that. Actually, well, because, because if you had a running one, you know, from nine to 10 yes. and then not again until two, you yes. get kind of cold. No, and, you and know. yep, I do actually have to change quite often. Because mm-hmm. when, yeah. you know, when your sweat dries, I feel like I get really cold. Cold, and, exactly. And probably too much information, my lips turn blue. Uh-huh. So I do have to like completely change and get warm. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Again, this is, this isn't logistical question, but I mean, so do you just keep an eye on your watch and be like, okay, it's half an hour. We're going to turn around now or how long the sessions are? Or do you go by miles or yeah. minutes or what? So I actually set my watch. I offer 55 minute sessions, 45 minute sessions and 30 minute sessions, depending on what my clients want. And then I set my watch for whatever half of that is. And then it just will buzz. It doesn't make a noise or anything, but just buzzes on my skin. Mm-hmm. So I know to say like, okay, let's turn around because I don't want to be watching my clock at all. I just really want to be focused on my client. So the watch is perfect. Nice. Okay. Uh, I live in Eden Prairie. You've got a client out in Hopkins and a client in St. Paul. Like, is there a lot of commuting for you? Well, I've had actually pretty strict boundaries on that. Um, just because I've had lots of people, one person asked me to be way out East, another one way out West. And I've had to really have boundaries around that. So I meet my clients in the city of Minnetonka. So on trails there. And so that's Always our meeting place. Yep. Yep. So I've had to do that. People come to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like your office, right? Yep. Out the <laughs> the door's my always office. open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so coming into you from a, both a runner and a therapist point of view, you know, we definitely all hit speed blocks when we are speed bumps or blocks, I guess, in a training cycle or also a lot when you're not in a training cycle, when you are looking for that motivation that you know is in you, you know you want to go do it, you know you want to go run, and you know you'll feel better afterwards, and yet that next Netflix is going to play in three seconds, and you're like, oh, I'll just watch one more, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So can you kind of, just speaking as both a runner and a therapist, what are some things that you recommend to clients trying to keep their exercise on track, but struggling a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm really big on routine and making sure you have a routine. Once we get into those routines, it's it's a lot easier to stick with it. Also, when I'm doing treatment plans with my clients, I always talk about accountability and printing out those treatment plans, placing them in an area in your home where you're always looking at them and kind of constantly on your mind. Also, telling a loved one what your plan is, what your goals are, again, creates accountability and kind of helps get that motivation to get up and do those things. 
also having a really good mantra. I'm sure we all Mm. have those as runners, but even in mental health, it's really good to think of those mantras and be constantly telling yourself those things to help with motivation. Okay. P.S. to that, or sidebar, because mantra, like we just had a post up on our website the other day about somebody who had a great marathon, like 2019, ran the New York City Marathon, such a high and she's struggling to get back to that feeling again and kind of realizing that she can be a runner. She's been through some injuries and had a surgery and all this stuff. And, and it's the negative voices. You know, that wasn't you. You can't do this again. You know, that kind of idea and challenge that everyone in this room at some point has felt that way. So, yes, it's nice to have like a be strong mantra. But sometimes that feels a little flimsy when you're like, dude, I can't even run a mile anymore. You know? Right. Right. It does. It's it's really hard. It's really hard to, to dig deep and- and get that motivation when you're at mile 19 trying to climb up to the Franklin Bridge. And I'm just curious. You or your partner taking that one? Who's taking that tomorrow? <laughs> well, we both promised that we will put okay, okay. all the hills together. Okay. But it can be really hard. And so to just really, you know, in the marathon, to draw on that crowd support. But in your own life, when you're dealing with mental health, to really draw on those supports in your life, family, loved ones, um, mental health professionals that can really help with that motivation. Yeah. Do you have any, I mean, when you start feeling like when I feel negative, you know, noticing that self-talk, like, yeah, noticing it is a big deal, right? And so do you just turn it off? Like what, what do you recommend people do? No. Or how do you turn it off? Yeah, I know. It's, it can be really hard to turn it off. I always tell my clients when you're having negative self-talk, you need to just get out of that moment and getting outside, just even going for a walk for 10 minutes, mindfulness, really being present in the moment when you're on that walk, noticing your senses when you're when you're out on that walk. What are you feeling? What are you tasting? What are you smelling? What are you seeing? Also, practicing gratitude. So starting, instead of focusing on that negative self-talk, turn it around and start saying things that you're grateful for and really focus in on those things. I like it. I like it. Thank you. Yeah. During the lockdown, I found myself stepping outside so often just because I needed the walls felt like they were closing in and I just needed to hear a bird chirping or see some leaves or something like that. Yeah. 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 So, all right, Katie, so you're a professional, but how would you suggest that us lay folk who are, have a running partner who might be going through a really tough time, how can we best support them, you know, and help them kind of process? Yeah, honestly, just being a good listener and just being present and just being that support and knowing that they can count on you and call on you when they need that. But I think everyone just really wants to be truly heard. So just being a really good listener, I think is the key. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to I know it depends upon your personality, but for me, it's hard not to try to solve their problems for them. And I imagine for you as a therapist, I mean, you probably have trained on not doing this, right? Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. So how do you be like, okay, I support you. I love you. I want the best for you. And yet I'm not going to do this thing for you. I don't know. That that sounds more crass than I mean it, but you know what I'm saying? Like listening, being there, I think is what most of us want. But how do you not just be like, like I have a good friend right now. Her house just uh, pretty much got decimated in the hurricane, right? Yeah. And it's like, I'm there for her, but yet I want to like fly down and help her like pump out the basement. And I know I can't logistically do that. Right. So 
Like, what do you do with that situation? Right. Yeah. You never want, I mean, no one ever wants someone to solve their problems for them. That like, that doesn't feel good when you're telling someone something that's hurt or struggles. Like I said, being a good listener, but asking really good questions that show that you're really listening to help that person get to the point where they feel like they are finding the answers themselves. Okay. I like that. Okay. Another one, you're going to probably feel this tomorrow if you're human. And a lot of people will after they cross the finish line, maybe not tomorrow, maybe it's more like Tuesday, Wednesday, where you realize that this thing that you've looked forward to for so long is now gone. It's like that like empty December 26th day (laughs) if you celebrate Christmas, right? And so the post-race blues, like they are real, you know, they don't have to be a big thing, but they are real. Any advice for getting over them? Oh gosh, those are definitely real. (laughs) We have all felt them. And I think it's really good for us to acknowledge that that's what's happening and tell our loved ones around us, like, I had such an awesome weekend, but I'm feeling really sad that it's over. Just really expressing those feelings and and getting them out is really helpful. Also, self-care. I mean, you know, a week after the marathon, you obviously we're not going to be running. (laughs) We're going to be taking care of our bodies. So really do some things that you enjoy and love, whatever that may be for self-care. That'll kind of help you get through those post-race blues. Yeah. Sarah, you want to remind people what we used to say the weekend after? What did I used to say? <laughs> have, so, have a plan. Oh, yeah. Have a plan. Oh, yeah. Our, yeah. our talk that we used to give here. Yeah, yeah definitely. That, and to make those plans in advance so that you have them, that you can be looking forward to them. Yeah. So you yeah. guys have about five or six hours to make your plan. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. But we're just saying, like, go see a movie. Although that's, I mean, that feels so pre-pandemic. You know, like, go see a, Who goes to, you know, see what you want. But, like, make cupcakes yeah. stay, with your- Stay up and watch the Netflix that you've been, you know, not able to watch yeah. because you've had to go to sleep so early to get up for your training run. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Clean your linen closet, which isn't fun, but it is fulfilling when it's done, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, questions from the audience now, please. Don't be shy. Come on, somebody. I'm going to start calling on names in a second. Uh, I know. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jennifer from Indianapolis. And one of the gifts of this horrible pandemic has been the impetus to get outside more often. I did the only marathon I'll probably ever ever do by training with two of my staff members. And we would spend half the run doing a meeting. I feel that it's hard to hang on to that now because everyone is dispersed and getting back. And so other, you know, aside from just trying to shift a whole culture around being outside and doing walking meetings, what other kind of things might I suggest to help compel other folks to get back to that normal that we thought was going to be the new normal, but somehow hasn't actually come to be. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good question. question. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think probably talking to your staff members about how good it is to be outside and walking and doing these meetings together. It sounds like they were willing to do that during the pandemic, and I'm sure they got some really good feelings out of that. And to just remind them how great that was and that we should keep that up because we've we got got some really good ideas out of those, I'm sure. And and maybe have an incentive program. You know, you could talk to like a a running store and be like, okay, can we get like a $50 gift card? Or maybe that's not incentive enough. So like to a restaurant or, you know, a neighborhood store that everybody likes and then say, okay, you know, you get a sticker chart or whatever, or, you know, maybe it could be online. um, And they get a 
shit for every time they do half an hour of a walking meeting or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that I would definitely do that if you gave me a $100 gift card to a restaurant. So. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I would say, you know, Katie was talking about routine and like Taco Tuesdays are a thing, right? Because they go to, you know, so maybe maybe just once a week you have, this is our, Tuesdays are going to be our walking meetings. You know, we're going to go out for 30 minutes or whatever it is, you know, just make it super doable. I mean, everyone knows the advice, like when you're trying to get something going or going again, make it ridiculously easy. So it's Tuesdays. And unless, you know, we're going to fall because I know Jennifer lives in Midwest Indiana, fall on our butts because it's too icy or, you know, lose our fingers because it's too cold. Like we're going out for 30 minutes and just, you know, it's almost non-negotiable. Yeah. Hey there. Hi, I'm Catherine from St. Paul and Katie, I'm a social worker too. I was just thinking I like to take notes and things like that when I'm working with someone. So I was wondering, how do you remember all that information that people share with you? I know. That's a great question. That actually was one thing that I was nervous about because as a therapist, I always took notes as well. And then that helps you with your charting. But you know, when you're in an office, you were having clients back to back and you needed those notes in order to remember to write your chart notes later on. But I'm able to spread my clients out in such a way that, and change when I head back to change my clothes, <laughs> I'm able to, I'm able to then write my chart note immediately after I meet with my clients. And so it's fresh in my mind. Okay. And then what's really nice about that is when I'm on to my next client, I'm really focused on them. I'm not thinking anything about the other sessions that I've had because I've already gotten it all out in my chart note. That's a good idea. Do you ever do a voice memo on the way home? If there's like anything you want to really remember? That's a really good idea. I have not done that, but I might, I might do that. It's so funny. I envisioned you changing, like, and putting your phone down on the voice memo and being like, yeah, and he said that he's feeling better. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We'll just give you lots of ideas. This is great. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Jody. I'm from St. Louis Park, Minneapolis. And Katie, I'm also a mental health professional. I've done it for 40 years. And I don't have a question for you. I have a hurrah for you. Oh, thank you. And years ago, this was not acceptable. Right. And I know that there's confidentiality that you have to work on really closely with that. Yes. I do know some of the walk and talk people. Tammy Rosenblum was a good colleague of mine. And I just want to really give you hurrah because I do think it's going to change the way that we do therapy and mental health. I'm on my way out, um, <laughs> so I probably won't be one of those folks. I got the great opportunity to do some of that during COVID because COVID gave us the great opportunity to do whatever we wanted to yeah. so, so that we could make it work. And I got to do some of the walk-talk therapy with some of my clients because all bets were off, and it worked. Yeah. worked great. And I have spent a lot of my career encouraging my clients as well as myself to get out, move, because it's proven to help us. And so I just want to say hurrah for you going out of the box and doing this. Thank you. That's so sweet. Thank you. (laughs) You know, I was, I was just going to say that is a real issue, the privacy issue, because we are out in public and this was something that was not done years ago because of privacy issues. And just so everyone knows, in my informed consent, you know, my clients are, are aware of all of the privacy issues of doing this type of therapy. And we always talk about, okay, what are we going to do if we see someone on the trail that either you know or I know? We talk out those situations before we're out 
walking or running on the trails. Also, it's really easy if we feel like someone is too close to us while we're talking, it's really easy to step off the trail and just wait for someone to pass. It's also the places where we run and walk. There's lots of benches nearby. So if someone's needing a break or having a hard moment and we need to sit down and kind of get out of that situation, there's always those resources Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. When I feel that somebody's too close to me, sometimes I'll pretend I have to tie my shoe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hi, I'm Pam from Northfield, not just south of here. I'm wondering, as someone who was a runner before you started doing it as part of your work, has there been anything that switched in your own rituals so that, like, this run is for me and this run run is professional? Like, how do you just change gears in your own mind that way? That's a really good question. I don't know if I've necessarily changed, but I do find that my personal runs, I really enjoy doing those solo because that's my time. That's that's my self-care. It's actually my form of therapy. I do love running with friends as well. And of course I do that, but I really find that my solo runs are really my time. Do you listen to music? Sorry. I actually do not. I have never listened to music while I'm oh. running. I just really enjoy being in my own head, I guess. <laughs> You're one of those. I huh? am one of those. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good thing we like you, Katie, because we might judge you slightly. <laughs> I, know. I know. It's okay to judge. It's okay. <laughs> I am Ann Sean from Minneapolis, and I'm a licensed psychologist in private practice and a certified running coach with Moms on the Run. So wow. this is like a perfect yeah. Venn diagram. Of yes. Life. So I have so many questions, but I'll narrow it down to a couple. Yeah. One is that when I picture going out, I think of uh, liability questions. And so if you could speak briefly to that, specifically with clients who might be a little uneasy about like being on trails with ice, there's so many people who would benefit from getting out in our winter and they don't really see that Minnesota winters aren't as bad once you're out in it. Right. And how much, how good it is for that seasonal affective disorder. Right, yeah. So I wonder how you work with that. And then if there's any kind of insurance bumps that you've had to explain to your clients so that they know and have like some awareness about how that might impact them. Right. Yeah. Good Good questions. questions. Um, So before I started my private practice, I checked into all of that liability and I had a lawyer look through my informed consent and really make sure that it was all okay. And I'm actually a certified running coach as well through the Roadrunners Club of America. And I got that certification actually so that I could get their liability insurance so that I can run with my clients. So I had to get all those pieces in a row before I could start my practice. But I will actually go out and check trail conditions early in the morning, especially in the winter. And if I feel like it's too icy, I always contact my clients ahead of time and just, first of all, let them know what the conditions are and that I would probably recommend telehealth for that day or to reschedule for a different day if they're wanting that walking or running that week. So th- I hope that answered your question. Here's here's some unsolicited advice. Uh, <laughs> you could keep some um, some yak tracks, like different sizes yes. of yak tracks, because those really do make you feel. I mean, I know that's it's, it's kind of it's not supposed to be a little sarcastic, but it's not. But it, they do make such a difference as far as feeling like you're not going to. They do. It. They do. I have those for myself, and that's a great idea to have some different sizes for clients. Yeah, I like love the way it when people you show up at some 
fancy people's houses and they have different size slippers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's not my house, but yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's like if you don't have a 12 or whatever, you have 10 size yeah. 10 feet, then you don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I do always provide hand warmers for my clients wow, in the winter that. though. That's a good idea yeah. too. Because yeah. you know, your hands get cold when it's, when it's really cold in Minnesota. Yeah. 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 So you've mentioned a couple times that if you can't go running or walking, then you do telehealth. So mm-hmm. that's your two options that it's either on the move or telehealth. There's no, um, let's meet at my office and sit on the divan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I decided I would try this out just not having an office, actually having my home office where I do telehealth and then my actual office out in nature. And I was just going to kind of see if I need an actual office. And so far I haven't. So mm. it's been great. That's great. Yeah. 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 It's a savings then. It yeah. actually is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much, Katie, for sharing with us. Let's get a round of applause for Katie, please. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. So for folks in the room and listening, please follow us on Instagram. It's a great way to keep up with all we're up to, including two big giveaways coming up this month, which I mentioned on the last episode. And you can see the limited edition puffy running vest that we just introduced this morning. I know some of you saw that email and we're taking orders on that through October 16th. On Instagram, we are at the mother runner. Again, our handle is at the mother runner. Our podcast today was produced right here in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medore. From Fire on the Bluff, who we originally met right here at River Center in 2018, and now he works for us. So thank you, Barry, and thanks to you all. Many happy miles. Thank you. (laughs) 